Creativity alone just won't cut it. The C Word is a podcast about when creative meets business. You're in a place for designers who want a creative business in which they're valued. Great client relationships, work to be proud of, and the moolah to show for it. All with your sanity and creative mojo intact. Join me, Beck Hughes, your creative business cheer squad, for weekly chats to inspire and spur you into action. Let's challenge the BS, the shoulds, the fads and the FOMO and find what works for you. I'm noticing an epidemic. It's not life or death, so don't run for the toilet paper aisle. It's an epidemic of designers trying to over-engineer their systems and processes. I see designers investing big money and time in systems that are hard to set up and they're disproportionately costly. I also see those designers in the early stages of their business giving way too much of their energy to this and it just gets in the way of them starting, getting going. And I see so much chatter in groups and in forums as well as from coaches asking and telling about what platforms designers should be using to manage their business in the best way. So in today's podcast, I don't want to talk about what system is the perfect one, which one you should be using to scale or maximize your profit. I appreciate sometimes we do just want to be told what we should be using, what's best practice, but equally, It does come down to personal preference and what fits your business. There's a difference between the processes that will help you and what system you choose to do that. The processes are pretty universal in my opinion. There's processes that we need in our business and they might change as your business evolves. But the system or systems, the actual applications, the platforms you string together to do it, that's up to you. That's not to say it isn't helpful to hear what others are doing. I'm not against that. But that's not what today is about. Today is about system comparisonitis and FOMO. Because it exists. I know, crazy it sounds, right? So I want to talk about, in today's podcast, why apps and systemization has become a status symbol in the design industry and beyond. When over-engineering your systems might be holding you back. What to consider when you're choosing how you systemize in your business and what you actually need at different stages. So let's talk about systems. And I hope it doesn't get too yawn-inducing because maybe it's not the most sexy of subjects. Okay, so let's get the ranty bit out of the way first. Why have systems become such a status symbol? Why have Moxie, Dubsado, Asana, ClickUp, Notion and countless others become such a talking point? Why are they so in vogue right now? I think there are a few things at play. The first is FOMO. I mentioned it just now. FOMO is a big one. Is someone I admire or assume is doing better than me using some amazing system that I don't know about? Am I missing out on best practice that will explode my business growth, you know, accelerate me into the higher echelons of design society? 
am I not as good as them? Or will people find me out, realize I'm not as good as them because I don't use this industry holy grail? That's the questions that designers seem to be asking themselves. And people love to talk about their best in class system. They love to talk it up because it makes them look like they have it all together. But in reality, it doesn't say anything about how well they're using that system, whether it's actually right or how well they're doing in their business. The fancy, glittery system that they're using has nothing to do with how successful they are or they aren't in their business. I do understand the feeling that you might be missing a trick, but you're not. Because it's not about the app or the platform or the system that you choose. It's about the intention for that system, whether it works and actually simplifies and enhances life for you and for your client. And if you work with it consistently, because if you invest in a fancy system, but then you don't commit to it and use it, it's not going to do what you hope it would do. The most basic of systems can tick the boxes that you need it to tick admirably and without huge investment of time or money. Okay, so there's FOMO about systems. Systemization is a bit of a coaching carrot and stick. And what I mean by that is coaches talk about possible gaps in your business, like systems, like your earnings potential, like scalability, like mindset and limiting beliefs. And they talk about those things partly because it gives them something to sell to you, something to fix. So you create a problem in your audience's mind and then you offer the solution and that's marketing 101. That's what coaches are looking to do. They're looking to create the semblance of a problem. And yes, eventually all businesses that grow significantly will need some systems in place. But a solo design business will not succeed or fail on its systems alone, I promise you. There is so much more to it than that. Systemization is not the silver bullet for success. It's a cog in a much bigger wheel. And there's a time and a place for it depending on what you want to achieve in your business and what stage you're at. So bear that in mind. Coaches who want you to invest with them will identify things like systemization as a problem for you in your business. But if there are issues in your growth, in the kinds of clients you're getting, in the kinds of income and revenue you're creating, there are probably other issues outside of your systems. Systems need sales. This is the other thing that's going on under the surface. So having influencers or affiliates talking up the latest project management system they're using is a sales strategy. They are profiting from promoting it. It's not subjective and it doesn't actually mean it's the next best thing. There's a high profile designer, influencer and mentor for designers in the UK who talks about Notion. They talk about it as the best thing since sliced bread. And guess what? They're an affiliate for Notion. They sell Notion templates. Their status has made it desirable. Where I have found in practical terms that Notion is lacking in a lot of ways. So just because someone with perceived success, with a perceived large following, talks about it and uses it, doesn't mean 
it's what you should be using doesn't mean it's the best thing out there for you. There are other things at play there around their income and affiliations. And then there are these fear tactics. If you don't have robust systems, you can't scale. Or if you do grow, your business will collapse because you didn't have the systems to sustain it. And it's simply not true. Yes, it might be a bit harder. And yes, it might not be sustainable for a prolonged amount of time if you're super busy and your systems are all over the place. But let's be honest, it's unlikely to scale that quickly and be that unfixable that you can't manage it as you go. Just get to the point of busy and buzzing before you overinvest. In my opinion, it's misinformation to say that you should have all your systems in place before you grow. And it's even more misinformation to suggest that the system needs to be up to MI5 standards, even as you grow. You know, it needs to be this amazing, robust thing. Yes, you should have something simple and scalable that's appropriate to where you're at in your business. But it doesn't need to be endorsed by NASA. That's where I wanted to start. I want to just address some of this FOMO, this carrot and stick information that's coming from coaches, the fear tactics around not having systems, and the context of when high profile design influencers are talking about systems. Because it's all there to create this desire and this drive in you to essentially overinvest and overthink your systems when you don't need to. Now, I'm not a Luddite. Systems approached in the right way are business and life-changing. I'll be the first person to admit that. I may have already bored you at some point about my love for Calendly and how it was life-changing when I automated all my booking and rescheduling of meetings. But there are problems with succumbing to the hype and over-engineering a solution at the wrong time and for the wrong reasons. And those problems look like it gets complicated and a complicated system can get confusing for your client and it has the opposite effect on the client experience that you want to create. So I'll give you a little example here. I went to a hairdresser in Sydney and it was a new hairdresser very well thought of, well-renowned. And to create my first appointment, I had to jump through some serious hoops, one of which was to fill out this very lengthy questionnaire about my hair and my hair care routine, send them pictures of my hair currently, had to jump through all these hoops to make my appointment. And then when I actually got there and sat with the stylist... They clearly had never even looked at that information. That information had been tucked away somewhere in the archives, never to be used. So they'd systemized this onboarding process, but never used it. So they'd actually made my life hard for no possible gain, for no obvious gain. So you can overcomplicate things and actually create the opposite effect than you had hoped. The second thing is it gets costly. All of these different apps and systems and integrating them with zaps, it can get very, very expensive when you start to over-systemize. The other thing is it can be inflexible. 
and it can become very difficult to self-manage and maintain. So you get locked into something and it's hard to get out. And I would actually use Dubsado as a good example of that, where I have lots of clients who've gone down the Dubsado route, and this is nothing against Dubsado, but they've gone down this route of systemizing it, particularly if they've got someone else in to do it for them. And it's become something that they can't change or adapt or manage themselves as their business grows. It's just too complex. And it can waste a huge amount of time and energy. Business is a learning curve. If you try to systemize every little step from the get-go, you'll never start. Or you waste time creating systems that become obsolete or don't actually work for you. So there are some problems, some issues, when you start to get sucked in by this system FOMO and this system comparisonitis. It can lead you down a path that doesn't serve you. You can waste a lot of time and money on systems. I've seen designers not get started in their business attracting clients until they have all, in inverted commas, the systems in place. And then others get really quiet and neglect their pipeline because they go down a systems rabbit hole. Systems and processes are not the be all and end all. Certainly not overthought, overcomplicated ones. The simple truth is without a healthy number of clients, you don't have a business. You have the idea of, the concept of a business. The longer you spend on systems that you think you need for your theoretical business, the longer you don't have an actual business. And you're potentially letting other things, other important things slip. Systems don't make a business. Systems don't attract clients. Systems don't pass on referrals. Systems don't make you profitable. Controversial thought. It's the action you take and the value that you create through using the right systems consistently and intentionally that does those things. So just to be clear, it's not the act of putting the system in. It's not the act of choosing that system that is going to make you profitable. It's going to be how you use it and how you commit to it and how it aligns with your business and how it creates a great experience for your client. If you don't invest the energy in ensuring that that happens, choosing and adopting the system alone won't have the impact you want. So when you're thinking about the systems you want to create, there are a few things to consider. The first is, think about the areas of your business that genuinely take up a lot of time. And if it isn't broke, don't fix it. Putting in a system to do something that really isn't a problem for you at the moment, you don't get called upon to do it a lot. You're doing something that is geared towards having a huge volume of clients, whereas you just work with two or three clients at the time. It's not worth it. So you have to think about where are the opportunities in your business that a system could genuinely help. Think about the client experience that you want to create. So make sure that the systems you are putting in are actually going to complement and amplify a great client experience and that you're, you genuinely need it and it's genuinely going to impact the outcomes for your client. It's not just something for the sake of, oh, look at this amazing system I've got. Look how much I've automated this. 
Also think about what investment is proportionate to the number of clients you have and the number of clients that you want to work with. Like I said, you don't need a system that is geared towards large volumes and repetitive types of design actions, for example, if you work on a handful of bespoke clients at a time. And also think about the amount you want to invest right now. You don't have to invest. There is no rule book that says you need to spend lots of money on a top shelf system. It has to be within the context of what you can invest in your business and the choices that you want to make and how you want to use those available funds. And then the final thing to think about is the stage that you're at and what your priorities are. AKA, if you're starting out, focus on client acquisition, not building workflows and templates. Because like I said, without clients, you don't have a business. You have a theoretical business. You have a dream of a business. You don't have a business. So let's think about what you actually need in terms of systems in your business. The four systems are broadly, or processes, let's say, lead management, client and project management, which is your client-facing experience, your studio or time management, which is your internally focused process, and then financial management. So you need a process and a system around each of those. And the system that you choose or systems may overlap and do multiples of those. Or they may not. So when it comes to lead management, the job of this process and this system is to capture leads and inquiries, automate the nurture and the follow-up. So something like an email app like ActiveCampaign or MailerLite or Flowdesk or a project management tool like Dubsado will do this. Although I would say about Dubsado that it won't be as robust as ActiveCampaign. If you want to segment your audience and send large-scale emails like newsletters, it's probably not going to tick that box. So there's lead management. Then you've got the client and project management, the client-facing stuff. This is the running of a project. How you keep the client on track, sharing information and managing the feedback loop in one central place that doesn't turn into an email schmozzle. The best solution that I have found for this is Google Drive. Not sexy, not glamorous, not what all the influencers are talking about, but it works. Or you've got the feedback and sharing options in Adobe that work for some designers too. So you need that way of sharing and prompting the client and keeping everything in one central place through the course of a project. Then there's your studio and time management. And essentially this is managing the flow of your work. Scheduling time, keeping track of tasks, doing timesheets. You can do this in something like ClickUp, in Moxie, Streamtime, Asana or Notion. There are tools for that. Or you can do it in your calendar if you're in the early days of your business. And then there's financial management. So this is your invoices, expenses tracking, debtor management, reporting for Bass. And for this you would need something like Xero, although Moxie, Streamtime and Dubsado have some of this functionality too. So I'm just suggesting the platforms that do these things, but there are 
low-key manual ways of doing it that can be free, don't require a lot of investment. You have to make the choices and find out what works for you. Honestly, I haven't found one system that does all of these things well for a design business. It just comes down to scoping what you need, prioritizing the things that are most necessary and will have the most impact for you and choosing what works for you, which might take some trial and error. And so you really need to think about it before you get down the rabbit hole of something like a Dubsado, which is one of those ones that can really lock you in and become a real big time and money investment. Not saying anything against Dubsado, if you use it and love it, brilliant, high five to you. But don't be afraid to go with something simple or seemingly basic. Don't be tempted or worse, pressured by the glitz and glamour, the FOMO and all that annoying vacuous stuff. It's okay to use Google Drive to share documents with your client. Now, the last thing I want to touch on today is how your system needs might change depending on what stage you're at in your business. The point being, you don't need all the bells and whistles from day one. This is important. And you don't need it from week one or month one or even year one. It's really gonna depend on you, but don't feel the pressure to get all the bells and whistles. So in a design business, there are probably three broad phases. There's the starting up, then there's growing up, and then there's scaling up. When you're starting up, your needs are pretty simple. But as I've alluded to, I have seen freelancers and fresh-faced designers spend months perfecting all of the systems they need before they can even start. You know, asking in Facebook groups about what everyone uses or recommends, spending agonizing amounts of time on hypothetical systems that have never been tested by them in the real world, all to make them feel established and like they're the real deal. You know, creating client questionnaires and onboarding processes and setting up Vladimir Putin-proof Dubsado automations. But the truth of the matter is you don't have a business without a client or two or three. So where should you be investing your time at this stage in your design business? Should you be investing in client acquisition or in system building? I know which one I would suggest. When you have a few clients, then worry about building out the systems. But for now, in this startup phase, I would recommend these things. First and foremost, a standardized proposal document that's automated with a clear scope and T's and C's. So a simple proposal document that lays out your packages, your services, what you do with clear scope of what's included, what the budget or investment is, and then your terms and conditions and standardize that, automate that process, ideally. You don't have to automate that straight away. It can be someone sends you an email and you respond with the proposal. Because you may or may not be flooded with inquiries at this point in time. Number two is a portal. Where can you share feedback and materials? Google Docs is the best I've found yet for this. 
Google Drive, I should say, because you're already probably paying for Google Workspace if you've got an email with a Gmail email. So use that. It's a perfect startup portal to share files, to collate information from your client, to collaborate on feedback. I would think about having a project timeline. So something that's like 80% standardized. This is the way a project will run. So you can give that to the client and that keeps everybody on track. That's important. You might think about having some kind of kickoff questionnaire to collect all the info you need before you begin a project. And again, Google Forms works just fine. You've already got it if you've got your Google Workspace. You need some kind of system for generating and following up invoices. You can invest in Xero if you like, but I created invoices in Word and kept a spreadsheet for longer than you might think, and it was fine. A simple way to manage and block out your time is important. So that could be as simple as your diary. You block out your days of the week when you're working on certain things. And in the early days when you're not flooded with clients, again, it's perfectly fine. Or you can look at a free version of something like ClickUp. And then the final thing, a check-in practice to keep projects on track. Like I said, keeping projects on track is actually one of the core operational things that makes design business work. And that's as simple as getting into the habit of connecting with all your clients on all your projects once a week to follow up. Set your Friday morning, your Tuesday afternoon, whatever it is, your Monday morning, to just send an email to check in with every client. So if you're waiting on information or feedback, you can check in with them. You can prompt a client that a deadline's coming up, or you can remind them of a meeting that's coming up next week, or you can just let them know how you're tracking. I'm just quick email, let you know I'm working on your design work, everything's on track, and I look forward to sharing it with you next week or later on this week. Clients just appreciate that constant communication and it's the thing that will keep a project on track. And when you haven't got vast swathes of clients, you don't need a Dubsado automation to do that for you. It'll take you a lifetime to set it up. It is probably just half an hour of emails once a week. And what's all of that? Everything that I've just mentioned there. A day to set up maybe and it will probably cost you around 150 Australian dollars a year, which is the cost of your Google Workspace subscription, which you've got anyway. It really doesn't need to be complicated. And this should be fine while you build up your momentum. Then there's growing up. As the flow of clients and inquiries starts to become more steady, this is where the opportunity to create more robust systems comes in. It's also when you might start collaborating with others with other people you might engage or you might engage another designer it's worth bearing in mind what growth goals look like for you for the vast majority of solo designers who might be working on three or four client projects a month at most and you're not experiencing hyper growth to scale to corporate agency heights we're still not talking cia territory here when it comes to your systems when you're in that growth phase and you know, things are expanding, you are getting more clients and it's taking up more of your time, think about where you want the business to go and 
develop your systems in the context of that. You don't need systems that are going to turn you into a multi-million dollar agency if that's not what your goal is. So as the client numbers and project values increase, I would suggest you would start to look at adding some of the following. Absolutely an automated appointment booking system like Calendly or something like Moxie has it within the platform. Because who's got time to chase their tail finding space in everyone's diary? That has been one of the best things I ever did in my business. The second thing is a more comprehensive client onboarding. So it could be in the form of a document, it could be a video that you've recorded to onboard your client or both. Something that steps them through how the project works, how communication's going to work, what the portal looks like and how it's going to get used, guidelines for giving feedback, the impact of delays perhaps. Start to create that more high value onboarding, something that sets the perception of your business. Early days, you don't need that level of complexity. But now, as you're growing, it's a valuable thing to have. And you might consider automating this with something like Moxie or Dubsado. So you can systemize as many of these steps as you can. You know, someone approves the proposal and then that creates the client and then that sends the questionnaire. And then there's an automated email that follows up if they haven't completed the questionnaire within five days. So you can potentially automate some of this. If it's an area that is a big time suck for you. And that comes back to the things you consider as you're starting to systemize. If it's a part of your business that doesn't take up a huge amount of time because you don't have a lot of clients, then you might just ask yourself, is it worth that level of automation, that level of investment? You'd also start to think about a project process that's as templated as possible. So templating all your client briefs and questionnaires, templating any workshop structures that you might deliver, a template for presenting your creative or strategy work, having forms for when the client gives you feedback. So creating those set and forget templates that mean that you're not doing this on the fly and it makes life as streamlined as possible. As you're in that growth phase, you start to look at all the things that are very manual and you're doing on repeat and think about how you can create templates and systems for that. Again, as you grow, a system like Xero is really useful to track your invoices and your expenses and to automate some of your debtor management, which is essentially following up payment. So if someone hasn't paid their invoice, they might get an automated payment reminder. So that helps with your cash flow. If you haven't already, then you're probably getting into the right time to look at a time management and scheduling tool. So something like ClickUp that will allow you to schedule out your time, break projects down into tasks, set deadlines, and also collaborate with a team on that stuff. So if you do bring in a VA or you start to collaborate with a web dev or a copywriter or you have another designer that you work with sometimes you've got that scalable system to manage projects centrally with them you could consider some client management tools at this point so a few extras to support the timeline so in phase one in startup we talked about having that project timeline 
that gives the client visibility, keeps everyone track, everybody knows what is happening when. But you might start to enhance the client experience here for bigger projects. So having things like status reports and cost reconciliations, something that you send out to the client on a weekly or a monthly basis to let them know where things are at, what you're waiting on, what's happening next. So you have that transparency of communication. Cost reconciliation, so the client knows what they've spent so far, what's left. And then the final thing here is an offboarding. So having a more robust way of wrapping up the project and wrapping it up on a significant high. So for example, a document or a video again, or even a meeting that goes along with the final packaged assets. So your client knows what they have and what happens next. So it's that formalizing of the offboarding. So it becomes a really positive and intentional part of the project. It's not the thing that sort of just trips over the finish line because everyone's exhausted and over it. So that's the kind of systems or things you might want to systemize as you start to grow. They are not the things that you should be investing time and money in putting in place when you're in startup phase. It's just not necessary. And then there's scaling up. If you're not quite sure how this is different to growth, scaling is essentially increasing your revenue without increasing your costs or your investment at the same rate. So when you grow, you're generally increasing your level of investment at the same time. So in growing and getting more clients, you're increasing your investment of time. Where you might have been putting two days into your business, you might be putting in four days or five days into your business. So your level of investment, which can be time or can be financial investment, grows along with your revenue increase. So growth is essentially more clients. So more of your time invested and potentially more people or more partnerships to deliver the work. So your cost increases too. Scaling is where those costs that time invested don't increase at the same rate as your revenue increases. You see a gap starting to form between your income and the extra investment you had to put in. So scaling might mean an increase in prices in line with your value perception. So really important point here. There will come a tipping point where you can't just increase your prices without increasing your perceived and your actual value to the client. But increasing your prices is essentially an increase in revenue without increasing cost or time invested. It's scaling. And this won't necessarily impact your systems. However, it does put more emphasis on value-led systems that influence that value perception that we're talking about. So it would mean time to review and refine some of those systems to ensure that you're really delivering that value and that impact to go along with your price increase. Or scaling could be a shift in your business model. And many designers and creative business owners get to this point. You might be adding digital products or offering mentoring or consultancy services or a course, for example. And this is where you're scaling because you are offering potentially higher value products that take less of your time or you're offering one-to-many type products or digital products that are evergreen. So they are scaling models. 
And this might mean you need to look for other systems to fill a gap, like a course platform or investment in more robust email marketing and a CRM tool. So when you're scaling, the systems start to become different. But again, you don't need those systems before you start. And you might not necessarily need those systems when you first scale. But they're the things you will start to think about as that scaling continues and as it you find that it's a fit for you and it works for you. So in short, when it comes to systems and the stage you're at in business, startup is about systems that keep it simple to maximize your time and investment in growth activities and essentially to minimize your risk of over-investing unnecessarily. Growing up is about systems that do the repetitive non-fee earning tasks. And that's to free up your headspace, increase profit and enhance the client experience. So as you become busier, you need systems to fill the gaps and to support you. And scaling up is about the value perception of your offer and platforms that will support more one-to-many type offers rather than the one-to-one offers that you might have been providing up until now. So to wrap things up, there is no perfect approach to systems. You're not missing out. There isn't some secret source that you don't know about. My biggest message from this podcast is let go of that system FOMO and that pressure. Beware of over-investing or overthinking. Simple and unglamorous might not be Insta-worthy, but it may well be the best for you and your clients. So don't shy away from that. Don't be embarrassed about your systems. Don't have system shame. Choose what works for you. Accept a bit of trial and error to find what works for you. And approach your systems in the context of where you're at in your business. Needing to have all the systems in place before you can grow is misinformation. And spending big isn't necessary. So that's the end of today's episode. I hope that the biggest takeout from this was keep it simple and don't feel the pressure. There is nobody out there who is doing it in some unknown, better way that you're not aware of. Everybody's just finding their way when it comes to systems. And honestly, there is no one perfect fix. There is no one system that you don't know about that's doing it all. I've looked for it and it's not there. So find what works for you. So thank you again for joining me on the C Word podcast. I always love having these chats I appreciate that you come along to listen to me. I hope you have an amazing day. Enjoy the rest of your week. And I can't wait to chat to you again very soon. Thank you so much for joining me, Beck Hughes, on the C Word podcast. If you'd like to know more about me and how we can work together, head on over to my website at beckhughes.com or find me on Instagram or Facebook at beckhughesbranding. And if you like what you heard, subscribe, leave a review and share with your friends and business buddies who might like to listen in too. The music for this podcast is by Penguin Music on Pixabay.